Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, I should say. I'm very confused, still a bit jet-lagged from my return from Israel. I'm not quite sure what time of the day or night it is. And, uh, but it's good to be home, it's good to be back. And I'm very glad to have kept up the Birkir Ovis Shir throughout my time in Israel. We had three shurim there, I was there for three weeks. And we'll continue now with the final Mishnah uh, with Hillel's thoughts. It's probably, I think I can say quite safely, if not the most famous Mishnah in Pirkei Ovis, one of the most famous Mishnahis in Pirkei Ovis. It's exceptionally important. It's very profound. And there are multiple interpretations. I'm going to try and share at least some of them with you today. But uh, I'm going to read you the Mishnah. It's the final Mishnah. Remember that we did two last week. And we continue with Hu Hoya Oimer. Hillel said, this is what he used to say. This is the final quote of Hillel in Pirkei Ovis, the first chapter of Pirkei Ovis. Im ein ani li, mi li. If I am not for me, who is for me? Intriguingly put together there, the verbiage. We'll get back to it. And if I am for myself, what am I? Perhaps who am I? We'll get back to that as well. And finally, If not now, then when? So the question is, are all these three statements or parts of the state, phrases in this statement connected to each other or are they separate? So I'm going to go through various different interpretations of this intriguing Mishnah to see whether we can make some sense of them and hopefully come to some conclusion as to how they could benefit us in terms of our own ethics and as we study Pirkei Avot. says the Perishir. If I am myself, I'm not going to keep the Torah. I myself, you know, if I don't take care of myself, and perform the mitzvahs of the Torah, if I'm not going to do it myself, Who's going to do it for me? So, in the first instance and in the first interpretation, what Hillel seems to be saying is, we have an enduring obligation. We have an important, life-saving obligation, spiritual life-saving obligation, to observe mitzvahs. If we don't make the effort to observe the mitzvahs, to keep the Torah and be connected to God, what point would there be for somebody else to connect to God? You know, those people who say, listen, I don't need to be so religious. There's enough religious people in the world. What do I need to do it for? I can rely on all those other people being holy and spiritual. Maybe I can pay homage to them once in a while, give a bit of charity, go to synagogue. And occasionally lend my ear, not one, not two, but one ear to a shear and listen to a bit of Torah. That's enough for me. But if I'm not striving to be the best, why would I expect somebody else to strive to be the best? And certainly it's not going to help me 
My self-improvement is not going to be aided by the fact that somebody else is performing as they ought to be. The point is, if I am not going to do that which is important for me to do in order to achieve whatever objectives I need to get to, me, Lee, who's going to do it for me? To the extent, I mean, I'll, I'll use uh, medical terminology. If somebody has to avoid certain foods in their diet, because if they don't avoid those foods, their life may be in danger. If they're not going to take care of their diet, me, Lee, who's going to take care of it? Obviously, we need help and we need to you know, ensure that we have the right foods around us and the people who are with us definitely can encourage us to do the right thing. But in the end, what we put in our mouths is what we put in our mouths. And we could always get away with doing something, eating something that we shouldn't be eating. And therefore, we can't rely on the fact that there is somebody else out there who might prevent us from doing so. We must be the ones who take charge of our own affairs. So that's the first way of looking at it. But the Rambam and the Rabbeinu Yonah have a different way of understanding They say as follows. If I'm not going to be super involved and very diligent in my performance of mitzvahs, who is going to make sure that I do it? In other words, we look for encouragement. We look in many of the things that we do for other people around us to make sure that they are encouraging us and to, um, to spur us on to do the right thing. But if we are not going to be at the head of that campaign, if we're not going to be the ones who are going to ensure that we do the right thing ourselves, all the encouragement in the world isn't going to make a difference. A slightly different spin of im ani li mi li. Because what Hillel seems to be saying is, you have to be your own cheerleader. You have to be the one who pushes yourself to do the things that you need to do. And on that basis, you may be encouraged by others. You may have, you may surround yourself by people who are going to make sure that you head in the direction that you want to head. But in the very first instance, you have to be the one that wants to head in that direction. You have to be getting onto the train and then you can rely on the train driver to take you through all the stations to get you to your destination. But you have to be on the train in the first place. So that's what the Rambam and Rabbeinu Yoinah say. Um, when somebody, as it were, cheerleads for themselves, each and every day, in addition to the previous day's commitment, you'll be more committed to that which you need to do in the service of God. That's what Rabbeinu Yoinah and in his great Musa Sefer writes as follows. When somebody hears Musa, how should they react? How should you react when you hear Musa? So some people react in a kind of, okay, I know already. Don't tell me. You told me last time. I don't need to hear it again. And other people react that they take it on board. Not that somebody else is telling them, 
but suddenly it becomes their own personal message to themselves. They become their own Ba'alei Musar. They listen to the Musar, they listen to the ethical instruction, they absorb that information, they absorb that message, and then the message becomes their own. You're no longer, it's almost as if you've plagiarized the Musa Sefer. You now become the messenger that that other person was when they delivered the message to you in the first place. You become your own Bal Musa. You become the one who tells yourself what to do. Im ain ani li. If I'm not going to be the Bal Musa, me li, what point is there to have somebody else give me that instruction? That instruction is going to be worthless unless I take it on board and become that person myself. Ukeshani la'atsmi. And even when I myself do the mitzvah, so I've got to the stage where, okay, I encouraged myself, or I was encouraged and took it on board and became that person, whatever it is. Now I'm doing the thing. Mo'ani. Says the Mishnah, Mo, I'm, what am I? In other words, to the extent that you're ever able to achieve your objectives, you're always still going to be held back by the fact that you're a human being and there's distractions and there are other things at hand. You've got other responsibilities and all of those distractions are unfortunately a way of keeping you from reaching the ultimate in your goals. And therefore, if how much more so So you see the two are connected. If in and of itself it isn't sufficient, if in and of itself it's not going to be enough, even if I am performing, even if I am doing that which I need to do, how much more so im ein ani li mi li? How much more so must I be my own cheerleader to get me to the level where it's not going to be enough? Because mm-hmm. because even when I'm doing the thing that I need to do, it's not going to be sufficient. I'm never going to reach that goal. The Ovis Der which as you know, is an expanded version of Pirke Ovis in certain respects, um, adds a moshel, adds an, an analogy as a way, a parable, as a way of understanding this. There is a king who owns a lot of land, and among that land is a, is a field that can produce a certain amount of crops every year. At the moment it's not producing anything, because nobody is doing the necessary work to achieve that harvest. And he gives it over to a, a bunch of workers who are uh, part of his, uh, um, you know, the, his loyal followers. And they begin to do to the land that they, what they need to do. They, they plough it and they seed it. They sow the land with seeds and they nurture the crops. And eventually they harvest the harvest. And he comes to them and he says, tell me something. How much did this field yield how much how much crops have you got out of this field and they say to him we managed to get a certain amount he says what are you talking about that's a fraction of what this field can produce it's a it's it's just insufficient and they said to him what do you want from us before you planted us or before you gave us the field to plant before you gave us this field to take care of it produced nothing you put us here but look We've got all kinds of limitations. We don't have the right tools. We don't have the right machines. We don't have the right manpower. And the weather wasn't right. All the different factors that go into harvesting um, crops from a field, making sure that it yields 
a particular harvest, but we, were, we didn't manage to achieve those objectives because we were hindered at every step of the way. But look, we managed to produce something. And that is pshat. Uh, even when I am dedicated and devoted, we could always say to the king, ultimately, I've, I am um, fixed, as it were, within the limitations that you gave me. I'm a human being. I'm not a malach. I'm not able to achieve everything that you want out of me, but I'm totally dedicated to making, uh, to gaining the maximum out of my life in terms of my faith service to you. And therefore, even if I'm a mo'ani, anil atzmi, I am going to do my best. And I'm certainly going to make sure that I achieve all of my objectives. And then the final clause of the Mishnah. V'imloi achshov emosai. So the most, um, the best known pshat of v'imloi achshov emosai is, if not now, when? In other words, I now have this life. I have a life when I can achieve my objectives, I can do mitzvahs, I can do ma'asim tovim, I can do kind deeds for other people, I can take care of others with charity and with many other things. I have to do it now, because if I don't do it now, after I'm gone, I can't do it, it's too late. You know that we have a minhag, when we go into a cemetery, we put our tzitzis uh, inside, those of, the, those of us who wear tzitzis and le let them hang out on the side of our pants, uh, we put them inside, we tuck them in. Why do we do that? Because somebody who's passed away, who's no longer in this world, can't perform mitzvahs. What is the purpose of tzitzis? The purpose of tzitzis, When you see the tzitzis hanging, you look at them, you remember the 613 mitzvahs that you can do each and every day. Why would we want the mesim, the, those who have passed on, the souls of the departed, to be offended and upset that we can still perform mitzvahs as um, illustrated by our wearing tzitzis when they can no longer perform mitzvahs? Says Hillel, Every minute of every hour of every day, in every week and every month and every year of our lives, is another opportunity for us to do a mitzvah. If we don't do it now, when we have this life, when we get to Shamayim, after we have lived our three score and ten, or after we've lived our full lives, we're not going to be able to do those mitzvahs. Says See every single moment of your lives as an opportunity of that I want to do the mitzvahs, I want to make sure that I have used and utilized every single second of my life to the best possible um, uh, objective, which is in the performance of God's mitzvahs. And um, there are the perushim um, as of imlay achshav emosai. So the most famous is the one which is mentioned by the Rambam. I'm going to give you two more pshatim, one which is the automatic go-to pshat, which I'll get to at the end, and one which is the Rambam's pshat, which fits in with Hilchus Tshuva. So the Rambam says that if you want to do Teshuva, you have to do Teshuva Gemura, complete Teshuva in such a way that if you were in those circumstances again, you could do the Avera again, and you, would, and you won't do it because you did Teshuva. Now, let's say I did an Avera when I was young, 
And 35, 40 years later, I, st I, uh, I uh, had an opportunity to do the Avera and I didn't do it. Is that called Teshuvah? Not really, says the Rambam, because at that stage, even though of course it's Teshuvah and it's wonderful that you're not doing that Avera anymore, but 40 years have passed and the things that excited you and spurred you on and that you were passionate about, let's say at the age of 20, may not be things that you are excited about or passionate about at the age of 60. So the fact that you don't do that Avera at the age of 60 is because you either lack the capacity or the interest in doing that Avera. Now, it could be that as this was part of the process of Teshuvah, but 40 years have passed. But if you do an Avera at the age of 20, and then half a year later, you're still 20 or maybe 21, you have an opportunity to do the same Avera, and you don't do it, that is the full-on Teshuvah. Says the Rambam, If I don't improve myself now, at the time later on when I might improve myself, and when I do Teshuvah, that doesn't count the same level as if I do it right now. Don't push things off for a better time. Don't push things off because in the back of your mind, but probably even in the front of your mind, you know that if you push things off, it's only a way of saying, but well, later on it won't matter anyway, and then it won't be a big deal if I do whatever it is, or don't do whatever it is. Let's do it now. Let's make sure that we conquer all of those things within our personalities, within our character, that need conquering right now, at this moment, when we're still passionate about those things which drive us in the wrong direction. But now we push ourselves in the right direction. We act as cheerleaders to push us in the right direction. That is the Imlay Achshav Emasai, says Hillel, that the fact is that if you push things off to a later date, you're really not performing in the way that you should be performing. You're not doing the thing properly. It's v'imlei achshav. You have to do it now, because otherwise, emosai, when you do it later, it won't be counted. Now, the third pshat is the one which we tell our kids, imlei achshav emosai. If you don't do it now, you may never end up doing it. If you don't do the mitzvah now, and you say, I'm going to push it off to a later date, you may never do the mitzvah. Because other things may come, may come along, other distractions, other parts of your, of your life may get in the way, and you may never do that mitzvah. Don't say, I'll think about it, I'll do it another time, now's not the right time. My grandfather told the story, I think I've told it previously in another shir. He says a story about um, a play that he watched as a kid growing up in Cologne, Germany. And the play must have been during the 1920s. He was born in 1913. And the play was Mashiach came. And he goes to the rabbi and he says to the rabbi, Hello, I'm Mashiach. I've come. I want to lead the Jewish people back to the promised land. And the rabbi says, What are you talking about? I've got Shabbos HaGodl coming up. I'm giving a big drusha. Can't we wait until after Pesach? Then he goes to the chazan. And he says to the chazan, uh, um, I would like to tell you, I'm Moshiach, I want to lead the community back to the promised land. This is all in the play. And the chazan says, what are you talking about? I'm giving a big concert on Cholomoyed Pesach. We're going to be doing a Svira Sa'omer. I'm doing a big shtickle with, with, all the, um, with all the choir. And we've been practicing for months. Can't you wait until after Pesach? And then, of course, Moshiach can come. We'll go then. We'll, we'll certainly accompany you to the promised land. He goes to the Rosh Akkad, to the president of the community, and he says to him, uh, Hello, 
my name is Moshiach, I'm here to take you to the promised land. The president said, now's not such a good time because I'm in the middle of a big business deal. And of course, I'm going to use the money for charity. I want to make sure to build up the community, to pay the rabbi, to pay the chazan, to, to pay for Jewish education. Please, just get Moshiach, can you just uh, go for a few weeks and come back when it's convenient for, for all of us to go with you? And so it was with every single person that Moshiach met. And at the end, Moshiach, the actor, turns to the audience and he says to the audience, well, when would it be a good time to come? Because every time I've come, all of you have told me, now is not convenient. Says Hillel, Imloi Achshov Emosai. You've got to make sure that at every moment in your life, it's convenient for you to do a mitzvah. It's convenient for you to fulfill God's commandments. It's convenient for you to, um, to discharge your duty as a faithful Jew. Don't push it off till later because there's no such time as the present and there's never a time which is utterly convenient. And finally, to go back to the beginning part of the mission, it says, So the Shalah HaKodesh says a beautiful pshat. He said he heard it from one of the rabbis in Frankfurt. This was in the, um, it must have been in the, uh, in the, 17th century, because he pub, the Shlob published in 1698, the rabbi of Frankfurt told him as follows. It says about Hillel that uh, there's a famous Chazal that says, if anybody ever comes to Shemayim and God says, why didn't you perform the mitzvahs properly? And the fellow says, you know, I was so poor, I spent all my life making enough money just to keep my head above water, to make sure I could survive. I didn't have time to keep the mitzvahs properly. God will say to him, what? You were poorer than Hillel? And look what happened to him. Hillel is the example of somebody who lived a life of dire poverty, and yet he became the great Hillel Hazokin, a leader of the Jewish nation, somebody who was a foundational figure in, uh, in Jewish life and in Jewish history. If, if Hillel could do it, you could certainly have done it, says Hillel to himself, when it comes to other people, I can act as an example, as, as a walking Musa drusha. But what about for myself? Who's going to be the Musa drusha for me? In other words, in the end, you have to look to yourself to act as your own Musa drusha, to act as your own Musa teacher. To, don't look for external ways of um, inspiring yourself to be a better person. Find that spark of inspiration within yourself. Im ein anili mili, said Hillel. I have to be for myself. I can't rely on somebody saying to me, or God saying to me, well, Hillel was poor, why can't... No, no, I have to be the one. I have to be the one who reaches the ultimate that I can reach in and of myself, using the strengths that I have, the personality that I have, and the opportunities that I have to become the greatest person that I can be. We leave it here for today. Thank you so much.